And we're back. Hi, guys. <laughs> hey. Are you ready? Because I'm not. Hey, hi. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back to part two of the Sylvia Likens story. been with us for a long time even from the beginning and we cannot say thank you enough and I know a lot of you have been asking a lot lately how do you make your own podcast well it's simple I use anchor Anchor anchor.fm which is the website or there is an app or you can go on your computer whatever you want to do it's the easiest way Um, it is run through Spotify so that is one of the first uh, platforms that you'll be able to distribute your podcast out onto and there's lots of different it'll stream to at least I think 10 different platforms or more um, I'm going to give you a quick rundown about how it works anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer so no matter where your setup is like you can start creating today today and tell me what your podcast name is because you know I'm gonna listen Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. I know a lot of you have been asking for video. Don't worry, I'm working on it. With Anchor, creators can earn money, yes, yes, you heard that right, in a variety of ways, including ads like this one and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. That's what sold me even though it didn't have to sell me because it's free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy listening. Um, um, we're leaving, left you guys with some heavy, heavy Hitters. stuff. Um, but the, like, like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. my God bless America. Um, we just talked about like she had passed away and then everybody was being held. We were we're getting more into the um not the case. Well, I guess yes. yeah, the trial. The mm-hmm. trial of how everything goes down. So yeah, we left off with um they had talked about um why Sylvia had um Well Jenny had told the police Yeah, Jenny you was get like, me out of here. Get me out of here and, and I will tell you she fucking everything. she said everything. Told them and, everything that happened. And so. it within hours, right? Four hours? Uh it was by the next day. Okay. Because she passed away that evening of October twenty sixth. Um oh no, it wasn't within hours. You're right. You're right, you're right. Sweet. But the next day, um the twenty seventh is when Gertie's just like, Well, it was really the kids and yeah. especially Stephanie's boyfriend Coy and this other kid Richard Hobbs and Paula was the one who really she did all the, the damage. Bl- so I can only imagine and I don't know anything more, so I'm just gonna put my um hypothesis out there. Yep. Those kids are going to find out Mommy Dearest betrayed them, and they're going to be like, listen here, fuck you, bitch. I'm telling them everything. That's my guess. We'll see if I'm right, guys. I don't remember, so I guess we're all just in for a treat. Because <laughs> I would be like, fuck you. I was trying to protect your ass. Yeah. And now you're throwing me under the bus? You yeah. Fucking... No. Now I'm going to be driving the bus. Bye. So, yeah. All right, guys. All right. I'm already getting emotional. Hold on to your <laughs> universal titties. Oh, here we go. Get get your tissues. 
Your tit shoes. I didn't get any tissues. It was stupid of me. You oh. literally went in the bathroom. I did. We both did. And I didn't bring any out for you either. So this okay. is where we're I'm at. I'm going to use my sleeves. It's fine. So it's, it's, it's not okay. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so we're getting into um, them telling their different stories. Um, Paula ends up signing a statement. Um, she it said she didn't have any remorse when she signed the statement about having repeatedly beaten Sylvia on the about the back or on the backside with her mother's police belt, also once breaking her wrist on Sylvia's jaw and inflicting other acts of brutality, including pushing her down the stairs into the basement two or three times, <sighs> and then once inflicting a black eye. John Jr., which is one of the younger sons, admitted to having spanked Sylvia on one occasion, adding that most of the time I used my fists to abuse her and he that was a quote that he said um he admitted to having burned sylvia with matches on several occasions adding that his mother had repeatedly burned the child with cigarettes i was gonna say that he i don't know how he got not he saw his mom do it too mm-hmm. so i'm, I'm glad and he that's kind of depicted pretty hardcore in the movie that's one part that i that correlated well but yeah we'll talk about the movie at the end of this um Five other neighborhood children who had participated in her abuse were Michael Monroe, Randy Lepper, Darlene McGuire, Judy Duke, and Anna Sisko, and they were all arrested on October 29th. So, like, everybody gets in trouble for this shit. Everybody. All were charged with causing injury to a person, and each was was subsequently released into custody of their parents under subpoena to appear as witnesses at the upcoming trial. I can't. I'm sorry. I will pause for the call. I can't imagine being the uh, first of all, yeah, yeah, knowing child, especially that went and helped to and and thought it was fun or whatever. Obviously, they thought it was fun Mm -hmm. to go hurt somebody because I would flip out if my kid was doing. I mean, okay, thankful my kids, but if I heard they were doing it to an animal, even a dead carcass of an animal, I would be like, what the doing well it's already dead mom i don't care that was alive and, and i'm not I don't, yeah i don't know if that i know correlates but i'm, I'm saying but like so let alone an alive animal and then a human being you were watching another child yeah like literally a child and then who knows if this i don't know how young these kids were so she is 16 and they're young i just it ranged it was like young kids but like I, anywhere from like eight years old up to 16 and 17 as a parent I don't even. Thank goodness. That's only. It's buddy. only. It's only something. I have to hear imagine. about. Imagine. Imagine. Yes. Mm-hmm. As horrific as that image. Yeah. Is. Um, yeah. I, oh, who no, Okay. All right. Carry All right. On. So now. Oh, I didn't mean to yawn. It's getting late. Um, mm. the autopsy of her body of Sylvia's mm. body. I keep saying her because I want to know how they point. know about kidney problems. Sorry. Um, this autopsy We're find out. revealed she had suffered in excess in excess of 150 separate wounds across her entire body, in addition to being extremely emaciated at the time of her death. Mm -hmm. The wounds themselves varied in location, nature, and severity in the actual stage of healing. Her injuries included burns, severe bruising, and extensive muscle and nerve damage. Okay, uh, this is really, really graphic, so if you need to skip, this is talking about her, her vagina and how incredibly damaged it was. Okay, well, so hey, don't skip it. Or... You need to find out. This is this is something that was but if done someone to another human being. I, I understand. Give them the chance. Okay. But, but it's this is real. This actually happened and um okay, so here we go. Her vaginal cavity was swol- was almost swollen shut, although an examination of the canal determined that her hymen was still intact. Oh my god. So it was so swollen, but 
Gertie kept bringing up, oh, you're you're a slut. You know, you did these things with this boy. You're probably pregnant. Mm -hmm. And um, which discredited her um, assertions of her being three months pregnant, which her own fucking daughter was Mm -hmm. um, a prostitute and promiscuous. Um, So literally just, yeah, there was just so much damage. They said if she were to try to have. That's why she couldn't pee. Yeah, or that's why she just peed on herself because she had no control over it. Mm -hmm. Um, Moreover, all of her fingernails, Sylvia's fingernails were broken backwards. And most of the external layers of her skin on her face, breast, neck, and her right knee had been peeled or receded. Um, In her death (laughs) death throes? Oh, okay. In her death throes, um, it was evident that Sylvia had bitten through her lips, partially severing sections of them from her face just by... Just not controlling her face muscles. <sighs> oh man, we're we're on page seven of fifteen notes. Um, so the official cause of her death was listed by um, the coroner, whose name is Doctor Arthur. I'm gonna guess Kebble or Keeble, K E B E L, Kebble. I like Kebble because it sounds like kibble, and I want to think of puppies right now. Um, But her death was listed as a subdural hematoma due to her receiving a severe blow to her right temple. This is a brain thing. Yep, a brain damage. Both the shock she had um, suffered due to the severe and prolonged damage inflicted to her skin and um, tissue on her body, um, plus the severe malnutrition, were listed as contributory factors to her death. Rigor mortis had fully developed at the time of the discovery of the body, indicating she may have been diseased, deceased for up to eight hours before she was found. Although Dr. Uh, Kebble did note that Sylvia had been recently bathed, possibly after death. Because remember, mm-hmm. um, Stephanie and the one boy bathed her in like a decent bath. Mm-hmm. Um, this act could have hastened the loss of body temperature and thus speeding the onset of rigor mortis. Her funeral service was conducted at the Russell and Hitch Funeral Home in Lebanon on the afternoon of October 29th, so three days after she died. God, could you imagine what her parents are doing? Oh, my Lord. Oh, we'll talk about the movie after, Nicole. Calm down. Um, the service was officiated by, officiated, I don't know why I say that wrong, by Reverend uh, Louis Gibson with more than 100 mourners in attendance. Her gray casket w- remained open throughout the ceremony with a portrait remained open throughout the ceremony with a portrait of her taken prior to July 1965, adorning her coffin. Um, In his eulogy, the reverend stated, We all have our time of passing, but we won't suffer like our little sister suffered during the last days of her life. He then um, went on to say, as he walked towards her casket, before adding, She is gone to eternity. Whew! That hit me a little bit. I can't stop the tears from falling. Mm Mm-hmm. So following the service, her casket was placed by pallbearers in a hearse mm, and driven to Oak Hill Cemetery to be interred. Um, the oh, hearse what a turd? What? Interred. Interred? Oh. Interred? <laughs> interred? Like the internment. Like they, okay. like, a, like they do that usually in a mausoleum. Okay. God. I don't really think they just heard turd. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> this hearse was only um, a 14-vehicle procession to the drive to the cemetery for, her, for Sylvia's burial. And her head, her headstone is inscribed with the, um, with the words "Our da- darling daughter." Um, on December thirtieth, nineteen sixty-five, the Marion County Grand Jury um, returned first murder, first degree murder indictments against Gertie Banaszewski, oh my goodness, and two of her three oldest children, which was Paul, Paula, and John Banaszewski. Um, also indicted were Richard Hobbs and Coy Hubbard. 
All were charged with having repeatedly struck, beaten, kicked, and otherwise inflicted a culmination of um, fatal injuries to Sylvia with premeditated malice. Um, three weeks prior to the filing of the indictments against the five defendants, Stephanie Banaszewski was released from custody upon a writ of habeas corpus bond. What? Uh, yep. Okay. <laughs> with her attorneys successfully contending the state had insufficient evidence to support any murder or culmination of fatal injuries by her. Uh, caused by her. Okay. Because um, she waived her immunity from any potential impending prosecution while agreeing to testify against her family and any individuals charged with abusing and murdering Likens because she was the one who eventually was just like, hey, get the fuck off her. Like, yeah. she didn't do anything. Right. I didn't say fuck, but I did. Okay. But she was just, she didn't participate. Like, and even in the movie, it depicted that she was often with her boyfriend and then she would come home with him and then he would go down and participate in this shit. And she wouldn't. Your boyfriend? How could you stay with your boyfriend then? Right. I don't. I don't know. Oh, gross. It sounds like she still has a soul. Yeah. Not kind of, though, but not a big enough soul to be and, like... I mean, in the movie, because um, they said she was down in the basement when she... Or they took her upstairs, and in the movie, she's holding her at the end, like, Mama, she's not faking it. She's not faking it. We need to save her. She's not faking you it. We needed to save her a long-ass time ago, though, Sweet Pea. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> um, if you can fucking go off with your boyfriend, take her, and just run away. Okay, sorry. Too low, too late. It's weird that you say that. Okay. Just based off from what the movie is. But anyways, we're not there yet. Okay. So we'll talk about it at the end. Um, at the formal pretrial held on March 16th, 1966, um, several psychiatrists testified before Judge Saul Isaac Rabb as to their conclusions regarding, regarding psychiatric evaluations they had conducted upon the three individuals indicted on Sylvia's murder, which was Gertie, Paula, and um, John. These experts testified that all three were mentally competent to stand trial, so they couldn't plead Fuck insanity. Even though in the movie, mm. I, I'll keep referencing it, but I didn't like how they tried to humanize Gertie so much. Um, uh, Catherine Keener plays her, mm -hmm. and I love her as an actress. But I don't know who that is right off the top of my head. So it's a forty-year-old like... virgin. She's the guy who Steve Krueger. Oh, you told she, me that. Okay, she ends wow. up marrying. She plays. She played her. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. it's an interesting it's an interesting take for her. Yeah. But she doesn't she's too nice. I feel like this Gertie in real life was a fucking heartless right, cunt. Right. Like oh I don't like well, saying that word. There's no feeling like it. Yeah. Exactly absolutely what she a is. heartless human. And she just I don't know. You'll see when you watch it because you, you need to watch it. It's on YouTube for free. So if you guys want to watch American Crime, it's on YouTube for Not free. Not to be confused with American Crime. Yes. Those are two An American Crime. Because Vince was like, We or have the movie. And I'm like, do we? Because then, <laughs> then, but if you even if you type in the Sylvia Likens movie, right. it pops up and yeah. it is free. There is a couple ads that'll play because there it is an hour and a half. Completely movie. different movies, just yeah. so you're aware. And, and American Crime. <laughs> okay, so um, the trial of Gertrude Banaszewski, her her children Paula and John, Richard Hobbs, Coy, all began on April 18th. Hey, that's today, hey, April 18th, 1966. Today it's today recording. Uh, sorry. That's interesting. That's bananas. Uh, Didn't even know that. Oh, the Cubs got annihilated. Anyways, all were tried together before Judge Rabb at the Indianapolis Police City Council building. Initial jury selection began on this date and continued for several days. The prosecution consisted of Leroy New and Marjorie Westner, who um, announced their intention to seek the death penalty for all five, death, five defendants on April 16th. Um, 
They also successfully argued before Judge Rabb that all defendants should be tried together as they were ultimately charged with acting in concert together, acting together right. in the collective crimes against Sylvia, and that as such, if we tried each separately, neither judge nor jury could hear testimony relating to a total picture of the offenses committed. So that's kind of, that's really fucking smart. Geniuses. Mm. Um, each perspective journal, perspective, Oh my God! Prospective juror was questioned by counsels for both prosecution and defense in relation to their opinions regarding capital punishment being a just penalty for the first degree murder, and whether a mother was actually responsible for the deportment of her children. Um, jurors were expressed any opposition to the death penalty were excused from duty by Leroy New. Any who either worked with children expressed prejudice prejudice against an insanity defense or repulsion. Regarding the actual horrific nature of like or of Sylvia's death was excused by defense counsel. Are you fucking kidding? Anybody repulsed by it? Yeah. Wouldn't there be zero jurors? Yeah. They're like, how can you have jurors? But people who can, who can stomach it, I, yeah, I couldn't. I'd be like, nope, I'm going to be a sobbing mess. Thanks. Um, how could you not be repulsed? How is it, even as the judge? Yeah. But I mean. Unless you're a complete fucking sociopath. Like, there's no. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry. I know. There's, it's, that's a, that's a weird line to walk. Um, Gertie was just, I don't even like saying that. Gertrude was defended by William Urbecker. Her daughter Paula was, um, defended by a guy named George Rice. Richard Hobbs was defended by a guy named James Netter. And John Jr. and Coy Hubbard were defended by Forrest Bowman. The attorneys for Richard Hobbs, Coy Hubbard, Paul, and John claimed that they had been pressured into participating in, um, Sylvia's torment, abuse, and torture by... Um, their mom, Gertrude, and then Gertrude herself pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Stupid bitch. You knew exactly what you were doing. Yeah, You you, You started it. You are the ringleader. You You are the mastermind of this fucking murder. You've got some fucking wires crossed that are are firing off fucking horrific things, but you, when you can consciously put forth an effort to do this and to harm someone on a continual basis, you knew what the fuck you were doing. So Especially a child. That is not... Because insanity is incompetence, right? Right. I mean... It's supposed to be. She's, she's, she's a very sound mind. She was sickly, but she wasn't stupid. Yeah, there we go. There's no stupidity with that. Yeah. It's just... I don't have words. So one of me. the... So we're going... Now we're getting into the testimony. One okay. of the witnesses... To testify on behalf of the prosecution was Deputy Coroner Charles Ellis, which is weird. That's my friend's husband's name is Charlie Ellis. Ah. He testified on April 29th as to the intense pain. Sandy's birthday. Sorry. Yep. Ah, my nephew's birthday. Um, as to the intense pain Sylvia had suffered, stating that her fingernails were broken backwards, numerous deep cuts and punctures covered much of her body, and that her lips were essentially in shreds due to her having repeatedly bitten and chewed upon them. Oh, that just made me, like, lick my lips and be grateful. <laughs> this poor girl. I'm like, I want to ghost hug you. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellis further testified that Sylvia had been in um acute state of shock for between two to three days prior to her death, and that she had uh, may have been in too much of an advanced state of shock to offer much resistance to any form of subjected, subjected treatment in her final hours, although he emphasized that aside from the extensive swelling inside and around her genitalia, um, there was no evidence of direct sexual molestation because, like I said earlier, her hymen was intact. Um, mm. 
On May 2nd and 3rd, Jenny Likens testified against all five defendants, stating that she had each had reportedly and extensively both physically and emotionally abused her sister, adding that Sylvia had done nothing to provoke the assaults and that there had been no truth in either the rumors she had been falsely accused of spreading or the slurs each of the Likens children, or not Likens, um, um, each of the slurs that had been made against her Sylvia's character. Could you imagine, sorry, Jenny's testimony, like I can only imagine the relief of, of being able to say this and just like the sobbing, but like I'm going to get this out there because fuck you guys. Like, Ugh. oh my god, I can only imagine. And like feeling like you had absolutely no power to save her. Like, I just couldn't. So now here's my chance to to speak out against you. Speak and for it, my sister who right. can't oh anymore. Gosh. Ugh. No. Um,. Um, during her testimony, Jenny stated that the abuse her sister and to a much lesser degree she herself had endured uh, began approximately two weeks after they had begun to live at the household oh, and that weeks. as the abuse her sister was forced to endure escalated, Sylvia had occasionally been unable to produce te- tears due to her acute state of dehydration. Jenny burst into tears as she recalled how just days before she had died that she had said to her, Jenny, I know I, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm going to die. I can tell it. Um, there was sections of her testimony that were corroborated by Jan- Randy Lepper, one of the um, lawyers, mm-hmm. who stated he had once witnessed uh, Jenny crying, but that, or, um, not Randy Lepper. He's not a, he's one of the kids there. Sorry. Woo! That's so wrong. Um, He witnessed Sylvia trying to cry, but there was no actual tears. Um, Leopard also testified to having witnessed Stephanie strike Sylvia really hard, and her mother had ordered her to remove her clothes in his presence. Um, He then visibly smirked as he confessed to himself having beaten Sylvia anywhere between 10 to 40 times on separate instances. He smirked. He smirked. I want to punch him in his smirking, stupid fucking face. Yeah. On May 10th, um, a minister named Roy Julian testified to knowing the teenage girl was being abused in the household, although he had failed to report the information to the authorities. Having been informed by Gertrude that Sylvia had made advances to men for money, he had believed the girl was being punished for soliciting. The same day, 13-year-old Judy Duke, which was one of the girls that came to the house to help um, beat her up and beat her I don't like seeing help, but hit her just for fun. Also testified, admitting to having witnessed Sylvia once endure salt being rubbed into sores upon her legs until she screamed. Um, Duke also testified to one occasion where she witnessed 10-year-old Shirley Banaszewski rip open Sylvia's shirt, to which Richard Hobbs um, made the casual mark, everybody's everybody's having fun with Sylvia. Can you... So, does any... I know we're not there yet. Yeah. Do they talk about the fucking scar written across her fucking abdomen about I'm a prostitute or whatever the yep. fuck they have. Okay. Yep, that's in this next part. Okay. On um, the following day, um, Gertrude uh, testifies in her own defense, denied any responsibility for her prolonged abuse, torment, and ultimate death, claiming her children and other children within the neighborhood must have committed the acts within her home, <laughs> which she described as being a madhouse. Um, she also stated that she had been too preoccupied by her own ill health and depression to control her children. Okay. Um, in response to questioning relating to whether she had physically abused the sisters, Gertrude claimed that although she had started to spank Likens on one occasion, she she was emotionally unable to finish doing so so she <coughs> and had not hit the child on any further occasions. Liar. Okay, so this is where 
if they were all in the courtroom together mm-hmm. doing their testimonies. Yeah. And they hear that fucking bitch. Yeah. Uh, there's so many other words I want to find, but there's not even. Yeah. That. That waste of human yeah, freaking flesh. Person, I'll just say, state that. Yeah. Oh, like, my Lord. Oh, Mike, I would. I would come on. I have so much I want to say right now that I decided that needs to be stated. I. Yeah, I'd be like, she was. She. Nah. Yeah. She couldn't. She couldn't beat me. Fuck you. You. Because you're. you're, Oh, oh my. You're so sick and you're so asthmatic and you can't breathe. So go light up another cigarette. (laughs) So, yeah, she denied any knowledge of Sylvia ever being um, beat. Or having ever endured any beating, scalding, branding, or burning within her home, even though she was the one who started all of yeah. those afflictions, and, and then did the kids many just many times she started the afflictions, and then the kids would follow suit when she wasn't down there doing it herself. Mm-hmm. Um, two days later, Richard Hobbs testified in his own defense, describing how Gertrude had called Sylvia to the kitchen on October twenty third and stated to her, "You have branded my children, so now I'm going to brand you." Um, he testifies, um, began etching the insult into Sylvia's abdomen before asking him to finish the task. Um, he testified this act of branding had brought blood to the surface of her flesh and that Sylvia had begged him to stop. He remained adamant the section of branding he had inflicted had been light. He still did it. Yeah. Um, he further testified he um, believed Sylvia would not be at the Banaszewski household on October 26th. Um, October 26th. As Gertrude had informed him, she intended to get rid of Sylvia the day prior. So when Marie Banaszewski, one of the she's one of the younger girls, I believe, was called to the stand as a witness for the defense, she broke down and admitted that she had heated the needle with um, which Hobbs had used to brand her, uh, Sylvia's stomach. So she like, and they depict that in the movie that she held it and. Um, Gert, the the uh, Catherine Keener's character, well, Gertie, in the movie, says, make sure it's nice and hot. Mm-hmm. And she, like, holds it in there a long, long, long time. Like, mm-hmm. longer, like, you know, if you, like, pop, like, a blood blister on your toe or whatever. I pop several. Mm-hmm. You get it really hot, so it's sterilized. But, yeah, Marie was the one who ended up doing that. Um, mm-hmm. Marie also testified as to her mother's indifference to Sylvia's very evident stress in related in relation to the physical and mental abuse she um, had increasingly suffered with her mother's not full knowledge, stating that on one occasion Gertie had sat upon a chair and crocheted as she watched a neighborhood girl named Anna Sisko attack Sylvia. So Marie just let it all out. Uh, Marie added that all five defendants had repeatedly um, tormented Sylvia and she had witnessed her mother and sister committing most of these acts um, before her mother had forced light, uh, Sylvia to live in the basement where she the abuse further escalated and she had ultimately died. Another witness on uh, to testify on the behalf of prosecution was Grace Sargent stating how she was close to Paula on a church or how she had sat close to Paula on a church bus and had her heard her openly bragging about her breaking her own wrist due to the severity of beating um, Sylvia's face on August 1st. So that was right in the beginning of when this all started getting really awful. And then um, Sergeant also testified Paula had finished her boasting by stating, I tried to kill her. Oh my gosh. Like, and in the movie they, they, they you see that too. Cause Paula at, I don't know if it was factual. Like, she was supposed to have a boyfriend, but one the character she's 
in love with in the movie is a married guy. Mm. And then she, then they're like, oh, she's pregnant. And she, because he was like trying to get all on her face. I don't know. We'll talk about it later. Ah, go watch the movie. <laughs> so on, <laughs> on October 16th, a court appointed doctor named Dwight Schuster. <sighs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. I think of the office, Dwight Schrute. That's too, that's really close. Anyways, uh, Dwight Schuster testified on behalf of the prosecution he is questioned by Leroy New as to the exhaustive interview as to the exhaustive interviews and assessments he had conducted with Gertie. She had been evasive and uncooperative. Surprise, surprise. Dr. Schuster testified as to, as to his belief that Gertrude was insane and fully in control of her actions, adding yes. that she had been sane in October of 1965 and remained remain sane to this date. Yes. Because this is in 1966 now. She's uh, just an absolutely grotesque Nasty, human. nasty fuckhead. Um, Dr. Schuster was subjected to over two hours of intense cross-examination by Gertrude's lawyer, William Urbecker, although he remained steadfast that Gertrude was not and had never been psychotic. So, uh, we're getting into the closing statements um, for the proce- for this whole case. Um, yeah, we're doing good. We're fine. We're good. We're good. Just, whew, heavy. Um, Deputy Prosecutor Marjorie Wessner delivered the state's closing argument before the jury on behalf of the prosecution. As each defendant, except Richard Hobbs, remained impassive, Wessner recounted um, the continuous mistreatment like or Sylvia endured before her death, emphasizing at no point had Sylvia either provoked any of the defendants or received any medical care beyond Occasionally having margarine rubbed into her scalded sections of her face and body. Having what rubbed? Butter. Margarine. Are they, okay. That's what they use to soothe her burns after they burn her. Uh. Yeah, I... I've heard that, like, like... Yeah, uh, if you burn your hand or something to help, it'll help soothe it. But, wow. But that's all she was given, was but, but butter. It, it was nothing. It was butter. Nothing. Absolutely nothing for her. Referencing specific forms and means of abuse and neglect at the defendant's hands and their collective failure to either help Sylvia or deter either each other from mistreating her, Westner described Sylvia's abuse as stomach-wrenching and compared her treatment at the hands of all five defendants as being the equivalent in severity to that committed against prisoners in Nazi concentration camps. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. 100%. So um, this this is a quote from the um, closing arguments that Marjorie Westner said. Um, there was practically no fat on Sylvia's body. She hadn't eaten for a week. We ne- will never know the pain and suffering that Sylvia endured. The best evidence of that was that was the picture of her lips, lips that were bitten into shreds. Um, in reference to the premeditated nature of her death, of Sylvia's death, uh, Westner pointed to the jury's attention to the notes of Gertie having forced her to write on October 24th, stating, quote, Who claimed that? Who, who Did Gertrude finally say I did it, or did somebody tell on Gertrude? Do we know? So yes, yeah, someone must have um, said it, that Gertrude knew on October 24th she was going to hold these notes until she and the rest of the defendants had completed the murder of Sylvia. Oop, I almost closed it out. That would have been horrible. Um, excuse me. Holding aloft a portrait of Sylvia taken before July of 1965, Westner added, quote, I wish she were here today with eyes as in this picture full of hope and anticipation. Ugh. So this is the defense, even though I didn't want to read it, but whatever. Um, William Urbecker, Urbecker, whatever, he's on Gertie's, he's Gertie's 
lawyer, but he was the first defense attorney to deliver his closing argument before the jury. He attempted to portray his client as being insane and thus unable to appreciate the severity or criminality of her actions. Hey, I said that right. Good job, go me. Stating, I condemn her for being a murderess. That's what I do. But I say she's not responsible because she's not all here. Fuck. Mm. Well, he's a lawyer. It's what he's got to say. Um, he tapped his head to emphasize his reference to her state of mind before adding, If this woman is sane, put her in the electric chair. She committed acts of degradation that you wouldn't commit on a dog. That's ironic because you said that about animals. <laughs> she has to be crazy or she wouldn't have permitted that. You have to live with your conscience, conscience the rest of your life. If you don't fucking no, have one. No. If you send an insane woman to the electric chair. Holding aloft an autopsy photo of Sylvia, he instructed the jury to look at this exhibit, adding, Look at the lips on that girl. How sadistic can a person get? The woman Gertrude is stark mad. Urbicker then um, referred to the earlier testimony of a psychiatrist who had called into question Gertrude's sanity before concluding his argument, even though they ended up saying no. She's perfectly sane. Right. So he's literally just... She's just a Grabbing demon. Grabbing at straws. She's like a demon in flesh. Yep. Pure evil. So first, Forrest Bowman began his closing argument in an openly critical matter as he'd attacked the decision of the prosecution to seek the death penalty for juveniles, stating, I would like to have an hour of the jury's time to explain why 16-year-olds and 13-year-olds should not be put to death. Okay. The death penalty is really a great area for a lot of people and sometimes for me too, but... I just think they should be locked up for the rest of their lives. Yes. I don't think death... And and not just locked up, but in isolation. Yeah. 100%. Because as, cause that will get to you. And, mm-hmm. it's, and, and, and and more than anybody, Gertrude needs to be in isolation if they're not, gonna, yeah. if they're not going to put her in the electric chair. Which we'll find out if that happens, because I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. isolation is going to... I mean, if she's not insane, she will be. Yep. <laughs> yep. Refraining from acknowledging the catalog of atrocities each had inflicted upon Sylvia, Bowman repeatedly emphasized his client's age, stating each was only guilty of assault and battery before seeking a verdict of not guilty for each youth. (laughs) Sorry. They're of sound mind. They knew right from wrong. Um, George Rice... I do agree. Prison for the rest of their lives. I don't don't know. I'm not trying to give them a pass. No. Not at all. But their mother... She doesn't get a pass. No. They, and I don't know if it's a pass to say you're going to spend the rest of your life not in jail, in prison. Yep. Once once you hit 18, you're going from juvie to prison. I don't know if they have, like, a prison-y juvenile system. I don't know. There's, like, like, heavier lockups for youths. Um, I think that's where they... Uh, yeah. I, I don't know why I keep wanting to say I'm sorry, but, like... It's because you are as a person. <laughs> it's because they are, chil- in fact, children, and they were just being shown a wrong way. But they still... They did it, They though. still They did they it on their own. It wasn't because mom was holding them... And, like, showing them what to do. Yeah. To their head. Nope. Or with a fucking leather strap that they like yeah. to beat their sister with. Like, she, you know? I don't know if she ever even beat her own kids, because it doesn't ever state that. It's well, just all the same. You had said something in the beginning about the older sister or somebody had gotten hit once, too, or something like that by her. Uh, okay, that's right. But it was very... It was nothing like It was brief. Happened. Right. So, I don't... I'm I'm a little... I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, that's, I, a, I, that's a hard wire to walk. So this is what you, but yes, they chose to do it. They chose, mm-hmm. they chose to. <laughs> Goodness. Okay. So now we're moving on to George Rice. Um, began his closing defense argument by decrying the fact that 
uh, Paula and the other defendants had been tried jointly, sidestepping the multiple instances of testimony delivered at trial, describing Paula and her mother as by the mar- by far the most enthusiastic participant. Part- oh my goodness, oh, participants in Sylvia's abuse. Oh, and I'm sorry, Mr. Smirky Pace. He yeah, he needs to be in prison forever too. Sorry. Yeah, fuck that guy. Um, by um, Rice claimed the evidence presented against his client did not equate to her active actual guilt of murder. He then ended his closing argument with a plea for the jury to return a verdict of not guilty on a girl who had gone through the indignity of being tried in an open court because he's representing Paula. Now, fuck that bitch. Fuck them all. Just wait. Just you wait. Sorry, pronouncing Paula now. <laughs> that was so loud. I'm sorry. Um, James Netter began his closing argument um, in defense of Richard Hobbs by referring to the loss of Lycan stating, or Sylvia, sorry, she had a right to live. In my own heart, I cannot remember a girl so much sinned against and abused. He then referred to Hobbes' courage in opting to testify in his own defense and the savage and relentless cross-examination to which he had been subjected to by Leroy New, who was one of the prosecutors. Netter attempted to uh, portray his client as a follower-type personality who had acted under the control of Gertrude Banaszewski, suggesting that he had that had he not carved part of the obscene insult into Lycan's abdomen, or Sylvia's, yeah, at uh, Gertrude's request, Hobbes could well have been a state witness as opposed to Stephanie Banaszewski. Pause. Okay. All right. And see. Okay, we are back. So we're talking um, uh, about Hobbes. Um, Netter ended his closing argument by requesting a verdict of not guilty, stating Hobbes was just guilty of, immatur- of immaturity and gross lack of judgment, but not for the but not of the crime of murder. He was the one who finished the carving into her stomach. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He didn't. He's not guilty like of murder, murder, but he's guilty of assault and battery and abuse or whatever Whether they said yes. for the other kids. Yes. Like. Yes. Ultimately, her. I, I don't know. That that's it's hard. He's, he's not. He what he did wasn't good. No, but he didn't murder her. And, no. and 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 branding her, even it. But I mean, you could also you could also testify or or, or uh, was it recant? I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Counter that. Um, well, with her being so emaciated and stuff, obviously her body's not going to heal well. So you're yeah. you're you're contributing yep. to her demise. Oh, so I don't know, yeah. but but actually, being the reason she Died. wasn't able to take her last breath. Yeah, I don't think ooh. that's that's. Uh, yeah. It's just a weird. It's a, a gross hard. little gray area for sure. But I yeah. I agree that it's Gertrude. Agree. Yep, for the murder. So I I agree a hundred percent. I think Gertie, first degree murder. Paula, second degree. Yeah. In my opinion, mm-hmm. and Koi should get a second degree murder charge too because yeah. he hit her with the freaking curtain Dick. rod. Dick. Fucking dick. Koi. Dick Koi. You're, yep. you're a fish dick. Yep. You're a dick fish. <laughs> fish of the dick. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're getting into the rebuttal. Um, Leroy knew rebutted. Rebutted? I didn't know that was a word. Okay. Because I'm a child. Uh, the defense counsel's uh, closing arguments by promising to speak through the mangled and shredded lips of Sylvia Likens. Um, I, see, I see her wherever I look. Outlining the catalog of mistreatment Sylvia had endured prior to her death at the hands of each of the defendants, New directly 
addressed criticism he had early received from Forrest Bowman in his closing argument regarding the prosecution cross-examining children, stating, the prosecutor's job is to prevent present the evidence to the best of our ability. Mm -hmm. Now let's look at some of the responsibilities here. Each one of the five defendants had first and foremost the responsibility to leave her Sylvia Likens alone. Yes. We had the responsibility to bring all the evidence we could find that we could explain this crime. So referring to this sentimental closing arguments made by various defense counsels regarding reason and motivation for their clients' actions, their attempts to divert responsibility to other defendants or participants and their clients' collective failure to either help Sylvia or to notify authorities um, is new. Also said, all we hear is whining appeal, uh, uh, anything but blame where the blame belongs. He then speculated as to the reason uh, Sylvia did not try to escape from Banishevsky household prior to the abuse increasingly escalating in the final weeks of her life, stating, I think she trusted in man. I think she did not believe these people would do this and continue to do it. And that's yeah. exactly, I feel like that's exactly she right. She like the soul of a dog. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful human soul. Like, I will still love you. Yeah. Or because of her sister being there. Yeah, that was, that's kind of how it, I felt like it was depicted in the movie, especially too. And then I will gladly, not gladly, but I will take this punishment so you don't. Yep. Oh, I'm going to cry again. Better, better her than me. <sighs> or better me than her. Woo! Mix that up. I'm right. good at that today. And always. So, um, New concluded his um, our closing argument by emphasizing the defendant's unison in their collective mistreatment of Sylvia before asking the jury to dismiss arguments made by various defense counsels regarding who may have actually inflicted the fatal blow to Lycan's head, or right. Sylvia's head, stating, every mark on that girl's body contributed directly to her death, and that was testimony. Yes. The yes. subdural hematoma was the ultimate blow. This is the most hideous thing Indiana has ever seen and I hope will ever see. Um, unquote. Stating that not a shred of ho shred of evidence had produced in um, had been produced indicating any defendant was suffering from a form of mental illness. New again requested the death penalty for each defendant, stating to the jury, the issue here is not about the electric chair or a hospital, but about law and order. Will we shy away from the most diabolical case to ever come before a court or jury? If you go below the death penalty in your verdicts in this case, you will lower the value of human life by that much for each defendant. The blood of this girl will forevermore be on their souls. You know what? I really like this attorney. I love him so much. I I really, what he just, not just stated, but what, what he, he had stated? stated, what was just stated to my ears for the first time, uh -huh. that was mind-blowing. Yeah. That is so, and I like how he it's was powerful. so, yeah, and, and, and like, these people, I love that he said whining. They're whining about who's, who's to, to, to blame. Yep. Fuck you, you're all to blame. And that, and the fact just that he started off that he's saying. the last detrimental blow, you helped Get her closer and closer to the grave. I like that how he started it off was by I'm promising to speak through the mangled and shredded lips of right. Sylvia Likens. Like that's so graphic, honestly. But it's it's almost it's like uh, I don't want to say beautiful, but I feel like it's no, just no, no, beautifully it was, it was put. He's very and he knows how to hit I him would have, I would, Yeah, and uh, what if this had been one of your children that this happened to? Yeah. What if this had been your little sister? Or mm. your, you know, or your, your big sister, yeah. or your cousin, or your aunt, or your whatever, whatever, like somebody yeah. close to you. Come the fuck on, you were yeah. gonna want. He really went for it and. <sighs> ah. Um. So the trial. No nose. 
Yeah. Right? <laughs> new nose. Oh, new. New. My bad. Sorry. New. New nose. Mm-hmm. Um, the trial of the defi- five defendants lasted 17 days before the jury retired to consider its verdict. On May 19th, 1966, after... Um, Eight hours of deliberation, the panel of eight men and four women found Gertrude Banaszewski guilty of first-degree murder, recommending a sentence of life imprisonment. Um, a sentence of life imprisonment. Um, Paula Banaszewski was found guilty of second-degree murder, and Hobbs, Hubbard, and John Banaszewski were found guilty of manslaughter. Okay. Upon hearing Judge Rabb pronounce the verdicts, Gertie and her kids burst into her tears and attempted to console each other as Hobbs and Hubbard remained impassive. On May 25th, Gertrude and Paula um, Banaszewski were formally sentenced to life imprisonment. Um, the same day, Richard Hobbs, Coy Hubbard, and John Banaszewski each received um, sentences of 2 to 21 years to be served in the Indiana Reformatory. Um, so... That was, yeah, 1966, and now it ends up going back to a retrial in September of 1970. The Indiana Supreme Court reversed the convictions of Gertie and Paula on the basis that Judge Saul Isaac Rabb had denied repeatedly submitted motions by their defense counsel at their original trial for both a change of venue and separate trials because they were tried together. This ruling further stated that the circumstance regarding the prejudicial atmosphere created during their initial trial due to the extensive news media publicity surrounding this case impeded any chance of either um, appellant receiving a fair trial. So they were retried Um, in 1971. Do they deserve fairness? Sorry. No. Well, you're not going to like this. On this occasion, Paula receives or opted to plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter rather than face a retrial. She was sentenced to serve a term of between 2 and 20 years imprisonment. 2 and 20 years? Yep. For her part in Sylvia's abuse and death, despite twice unsuccessfully having to attempt to escape prison from... Or escape from prison in 1971, she was released... In December of 1972. What? So it was only six years after. Or seven years. Yep. 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 And you're never going to believe where she goes on in life. Um, Gertrude. Gertrude. I don't know why I said it like that. I don't care. However, was. um, Emphasizing rude because she was Gertrude was convicted again of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. Um, Over the course of the following 14 years, uh, Gertrude was. Um, known as a model prisoner in the Indiana Women's Prison. She worked in the prison showing, sewing shop and was known to somewhat of a den mother to younger inmates, female inmates, becoming yeah. known to some within the prison by the nickname Mom Barf. Mm-hmm. By the time um, of her ultimate parole in 1985, she ended up changing her name to Nadine Van Fossen, a combination of her middle name and maiden name, and converted to Christianity because that's what saves everyone in prison. Um... Not to bash on Christianity, because I am right. not, but in this case, when people are... What is right. It, re, well, wasn't she religious because all the kids in her were going to church in the beginning anyway? Yeah. Quote, unquote, religious? Well, I'm going to yeah. tell you, you need to be exercised. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope you don't make it through the exorcism. Mm-hmm. Um, news of her impending parole created an uproar throughout Indiana. Jenny Likens and immediate family members of the Likens um, ve- vehemently... I've never said that word right. Protested against any prospect of her release. The yes. members of two anti-crime groups also traveled to Indiana to oppose her potential parole and to publicly support the Likens family. 
Members of both groups initiated a sidewalk picket campaign. Over the course of two months, these groups collected over 40,000 signatures from the citizens of Indiana, including signatures obtained from outraged citizens who were too young to contemporarily recollect the case, or recollect, sorry. Um, all signatures gathered demanded that Gertrude Banaszewski remain incarcerated for the remainder of her life. Yes. Within her parole hearings, um, she stated that um, stated her wish that Sylvia's death could be undone, although she minimized her responsibility for any of her actions. That's the thing, too. That's it right there. Stating, I'm not sure what role I had in Sylvia's death because I was on drugs. I never really knew her. I take full responsibility of whatever happened to Sylvia. <sighs> oh, my gosh. So, is, oh. oh, man. Oh, man. So, taking Gertrude's good conduct in prison into account, the parole board marginally voted in favor of granting her parole. You want to know what date she was released on in prison? Your birthday, 1985. December 4th, 1985. There once was reason to celebrate my birthday. Jesus. (laughs) Turning five was a big deal. (laughs) Now it's ruined. Ruined it. Ruined. Fucking Fucking thunder cunt. Um, sorry, I've said that word several times, and no, if you don't I like it, it, well, we'll oh, get over that's it. what she is. Don't ever talk to my husband if you don't like that word. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, after she was released, she, um, moves to Iowa. She never accepted full responsibility for Lycan's, or for Sylvia's torment and death. Um, insisted she was unable to re- precisely recall any of her actions in the months of Lycan, or Sylvia, it's because Lycan's is what I typed. Prolonged and increased abuse torment within her home. She primarily blamed her actions upon the medication she had been prescribed to treat her asthma. Barf. Your asthma medication, your yeah. inhaler, caused you to get super abusive and demonic. Really? Yep. Really. She um, lived in a relative. Wouldn't there be far more asthmatics that are that? Are, sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm so mad right now. Well, she ends up dying on Good. June 16th, 1990, at the age of 61 due to lung cancer. In Laurel, Iowa. <laughs> because of my asthma. Oh, my God. Light me up another. My yeah, asthma. she's like an avid smoker, but yeah, I can't breathe. But on, on, so sadly, that's a big thing, no, though. You're, you're 100% Asthmatic right. people, COPD, whatever type of breathing issues. Emphysema. Emphysema, yeah. Because you were smoking and you have emphysema. Secondhand, either smoking or secondhand. It's just, it just yeah, depends. I'm sorry. What kind of medication were you on? In the what movies, she's like medica- drinking a liquid. Okay, so that's alcohol. <laughs> it looks straight up like the stuff I drank whenever I had my tonsils taken out. Yeah, that's that, what it reminded me cause, of. Well, so what are you drinking that's causing you to be violent? Yeah. And disgusting. Yeah. There, there is no asthmatic medication. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Okay, I don't know why. I just, yeah. we all know how this how dis, 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 disgusting this sounds. This is just, yeah. Talks about her, she's saying that the children were going wild. It was the children doing what they were told. Blah, blah, blah. It was God. fucking... The, the, that, and that, more than anything, is what's so disheartening and heart-wrenching and soul-crushing. Other, I mean, aside from what she fucking did. Right. And not, not owning up. I mean, I can only imagine how hard it would be to own up to something like that. Yeah. But fucking own it. Yeah. And stop blaming children. Stop blaming Like, you were the adult in this situation. You were the adult. you of? Sorry. Um, you are responsible. You are accountable Monster. for what you did. 
yeah quit blaming um, i don't i don't remember i don't it was this it was that it was it was it wasn't me it wasn't me i'm the victim fuck you yeah. no, you're not you are not <laughs> you're yeah, sorry. I'm just correlating so many yep, things in my same, brain right now. But um, one of the attorneys, um, Forrest Bowman, said in 2014, in reference to her actual motive for tormenting and ultimately murdering Sylvia, he said, she had a miserable life, and what I think this was ultimately about was jealousy. 100%. Which I, Sylvia, like, you'll see when I show her your picture. Okay. Um, she's a very beautiful girl. It's still jealousy... Of a, of a 16-year-old girl. You're 36 years old. And you didn't have to take them into your home. Yeah, and you didn't also... Uh, okay. You didn't have to do that. I can only... Again, I can't even imagine what her parents... So, Paula, we're going to go back in time a little bit, back to 1972. Oh boy. She ends up getting paroled in 1972. And she ends up going under a new identity. Um, she worked as an aide to a school counselor for 14 years at the Iowa... Beeman Conrad Liscombe Human Witten School District. Uh huh. Thank you. Um, having named her, changed her name to Paula Pace, so she still kept her f- first name, and having concealed the truth regarding her criminal history to the school district when applying for the position, she ended up being fired in 2012 when the school discovered who she truly was, and then she reportedly lives in a small town in Iowa. Um, she is married and has two kids of her own. The baby daughter to whom she had given birth while being tried in 1966, whom she named after her mother, was later adopted. Because remember, she was thir- three months pregnant when this all was going down. She named that baby after Gertrude. her mother. Mm-hmm. Because that's someone you want that goes into. Oh, my Gertrude. gosh. Ugh. It's disgusting. But her mom, didn't her mom throw her under the bus, too? Yeah. They're just, it's just a whole bunch of awful family nastiness i don't even know how to feel right now um (laughs) yeah the murder charges against that had been filed against um stephanie banishevsky were ultimately dropped after she agreed to turn the state's evidence against the other defendants which she didn't really participate in a whole lot um of the abuse like she was the one who tried to and she 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 tried but not enough correct but i think i feel like she also was like, this is what I did. This is what happened. And I'm, I don't know her. I don't know what she really said or didn't say. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like she said, I know I should have done more. But this is what I did. This is what I didn't do. This is what was done. Yep. She ended up assuming a new name later on in life and became too. a school teacher. She later married and had several children. Um, her name is Stephanie Sarekstad. And she currently is still alive at this point in time when I did this. Um, and she lives in Florida. Okay. So, um, uh, Richard Hobbs, Coy Hubbard, John Banishevsky served less than two years in the reformatory before being granted parole on February 27th, 1968. Um, that's Peyton's birthday. Yeah. Yep. Cause that's who I am. Um, Richard Hobbs died of lung cancer on January 2nd. Oh, 1972. He was only 21 when he died of lung cancer. Uh, less than four years after his release from the Indiana Reformatory, in the years between his release um, and his death, he was known to have several, at least one nervous breakdown, which, I mean, being 14 years old and being through all of this, right. I mean, that's going to fuck your fucking life up. Yeah. Like, right, 100%. Um, Coy Hubbard remained in Indiana and never attempted to change his name throughout his adult life. He was repeatedly... I really want fish sticks now. Thanks. Imprisoned. You want fish sticks right now? Yeah, I do. (laughs) 
fish sticks and brownies and chocolate ice cream and pickles. All of it. Yeah. Uh. Fish sticks. Mm. Fish dicks. Fish dicks. He was imprisoned for various criminal offenses. One occasion he was charged with the 1977 murders of two men. Um, this is Koi. This is that guy. This is Mr. Fish. Dick Although Koi. Dick, or this is Koi Hubbard, but yeah. I thought it was Richard Koi Hubbard. No, Richard Hobbs is oh, another damn, person. I'm so wrong. I'm sorry, guys. I fucked this all up. My whole joke this whole time has been wrong. <laughs> I mean, they're both a dick and a fish. But I still want fish sticks. Cold fish. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, he was charged with the murder of two young men, although largely due to the fact that the chief witnesses to testify at his trial had been a convicted criminal acquaintance of Hubbard's admitted to having been in his company at the time of the murders. He was acquitted of this charge. Um, shortly after the January 2000 pr- premiere of the crime drama film An American Crime, Hubbard was fired from his job. He ended up dying of a heart attack in Shelby- Shelbyville, Indiana on June 23rd of that year at the age of 56 after the movie came out. Um, John Jr. Banishevsky, um, he lived under the alias John Blake. Oh, my God. He became a minister, frequently hosting counseling sessions to the children of divorced parents. Um, he died of diabetes in Lancaster General Hospital on May, Hospital on May 19, 2005. Prior to his death, he occasionally spoke publicly about his past, readily admitting he had enjoyed the attention of... Sylvia's murder brought upon him and also claiming to have only hit her once. Was he the one that smirked? That that was her son. Oh. I can't remember which one smirked. I'd have to go scroll up. So, um, Jenny well, Lycan... I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's disgusting and I'm just like, what? It's like a disbelief laugh. I get <sighs> that. Um... One of the girls, sis, uh, Ruth Sisko, she died um, October 23rd, 1996, at the age of 44. Um, leper. And, okay. Who had visibly smirked um, as he testified to have hitting lichens on 40 separate occasions, died at the age of 56 on November 14th, 2010. Jenny Likens um, married an Indianapolis native named Leonard Wade. The couple had two children, although she remained traumatized by the abuse she had been forced to watch her sister endure. In the remainder of her life, Jenny was dependent upon anxiety medication, and she ended up dying of a heart attack at the age of 54 in 2004. Um, She resided in Beach Grove, Indiana. She stayed in Indiana. Mm -hmm. 14 years prior to her death, Jenny Likens Wade had reviewed Gertrude Banaszewski's obituary in a newspaper. Newspaper. She clipped the section from the newspaper, then mailed it to her mother with an accompanying note reading, Some good news. Damn old Gertrude died. Ha ha ha. I'm happy about that. <laughs> Fucking badass, You're Jenny. I'm crying. Like, good. <laughs> good. Like, I feel that's... Um, <sighs> her parents, um, Betty and Lester, died in 1998. Um, Elizabeth did. And then Lester died in 2013. In the years prior to her own death, Jenny um, had reported... Repeatedly emphasized no blame should be placed upon either of her parents for placing her and Sylvia in the care of Gertrude, stating all her parents had done was trust Gertrude's promise to actually care for them until they returned to Indiana with the traveling carnival. Um, I wish there was more about what their... I mean, it's all going to be heartbreaking, but like mm -hmm. kind of like a little bit of information about what their parents... Thought. What? Yeah. Like how they felt. Like... Yeah. If they the way they like, depicted in the movie is kind of bananas, to too. Like, you know what I mean? um, 
but the house that this all happened at 3850 East New York Street in like in which um, she was tortured and murdered stood vacant for many years after her death and the arrest of her tormentor tormentors oh my gosh the property gradually became dilapidated um, although there were discussions to the possibility of purchasing and rehabilitating the house and converting the property into a women's shelter the necessary funds were never raised. The house was um, demolished on April 23rd, 2009. Oh my god, it's just like Sylvia's story. This um, one's beautiful. And, and then it gone. just got no taken, not taken where, care of. Yeah, where like, it once stood is now a church parking lot. Um, in 2001, June of 2001, a six-foot-tall granite memorial was formally dedicated to Sylvia Likens' life and legacy in Willard Park, Washington Street, Indianapolis. This dedication was attended by hundreds, several hundred people, including members of her family. The, mori- the memorial itself inscribed with these words. The mo- okay. <clears throat> this memorial is in memory of a ch- young child who died a tragic death. As a result, laws changed and, our, and awareness increased. This is a commitment to our children that the Indiana Police Department is working to make this a safe city for our children. Um Sylvia's death is credited with the adoption of the Indiana's mandated reporter law and with an increased understanding of the investigation and recognition of abuse. The the law states that should a member of the public suspect a child of suffering abuse or neglect, the citizen suspecting this abuse has a legal obligation to report the abuse to authorities. It's awful, but something like this had to manifest into that. But that's usually how it ends up happening. Um. Yeah. On October 26, 2015, numerous Indianapolis citizens, including Lycan's older sister, Diana, who was still alive, apparently she outlived everybody, um, gathered in Lebanon to order to honor Sylvia, to reflect upon her life upon the 50th anniversary of her death, and to honor all children who lose their chi- lives to child abuse. At this memorial service, Diana informed those present that Sylvia's legacy, quote, must always be remembered. Sylvia's tragic murder and abuse must always be remembered. So on that note, if you hear somebody screaming, don't worry about, oh my gosh, what if I call the police and it's and it's nothing? So what? What mm-hmm. if it's not nothing? Yeah. The worst case is, well, there's awful, but like, what, what what's so bad about the cops going, hey, I, I got a call about a disturbance or something? Yeah, you that's know? like, I think about, uh, there was a, uh, I've watched TikTok because I'm one of those people, but there was this girl, um... Uh, probably my age, maybe a little bit younger, but she walked out of her house and she was getting in her car to ready to leave. And she saw like these people across the street and like this guy was in like dark clothes and this girl was like, she could visibly see her like uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So she went in it like, she's like, Oh, Hey girl, sorry. I was just getting to my car. And she's just like, and who's this? Like mm-hmm. straight up, like deterred the situation. And she's, he's like, Oh, we're just talking. And she's like, Oh, well, are you ready to go? Like we're, we've got to get ready. You know, we've got to go meet those people. And she's just like, the girl's just like visibly like shaken up. Yeah. And this guy is just dressed in dark. Like you couldn't even see his face. Cause she showed the whole, she yeah. like recorded it on her phone. And, um, but like just approaching the situation, like that's brave. I don't, I would hope I would react like that in that situation. Right. But, I mean, if I heard, like, a child screaming, like, so getting into the movie a little bit, I know this this episode's running a little long, but, you know, you guys are fine. Um, you're welcome. But, um, happy but, Friday. Happy Friday. <laughs> but um, the movie, it it brushes over quite a bit. Sure. Like, the, it, I, don't, I don't remember it being rated R. I don't remember. It may have been. But 
I mean, it does show at one point her with the bottle, but it doesn't like show it her like getting right, all right, 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 it all right. up in it. I don't but, even think even a rated R movie they do. Yeah, that. that's little. yeah, that's not even like just it's very graphic. But they show it. But at one point, she ends up dropping it, and the bottle shatters everywhere, and it's just how they portray oh Gertrude. Oh my gosh! Sorry, there's my son. <laughs> um, running up and down the stairs. Yeah, it's way past his bedtime. But anyways, um, but like how they how they portray. Gertie and how she is like humanized. She, yeah, humanized, and that she's just this sickly woman, and like she, even when she's doing the abusive scenes, which it doesn't get too graphic. Um, like I said, it's on YouTube and American Crime. Um, it just, and like even while um in the part where Sylvia is dead. And she's just like, oh, no, she's faking. Like, she's just faking. She seems just, like, so sad. And, like, that, that part made her seem like she was just crazy, like, in mm. disbelief. Like, mm. whereas I feel like the real-life situation mm-hmm. was just like, oh, she's faking. She's faking. Like, oh, yeah. just yeah, yeah, just yeah, ignore yeah, her. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. just leave her there on the table. Ignore her. Whereas Stephanie was just like, no, Mama, she's not faking. And, like, all the kids are crying. And Jenny was there present, but they said that she had left at that point. Um well, that's why you everything. can't. It's nice to get the truth and then like just yeah. like not, but not like see, like when you read a book and then mm-hmm. you watch the movie, you're like, well, that book is way better. Yeah. Not that the story is way better because no. it's an awful. Fucking but if you want like full details, I hope we did her justice and whatnot because yes. this is a this was heavy. Obviously, Shauna sobbed her way through most of it. <laughs> um, yes. Not. I'm it, sure you did too. Yeah. I'm sure many people listening. Hold on, baby. We're almost done. Okay. Okay, we're signing off, bug. We're getting ready to be done, babe. Um, but yeah, so definitely go check it out. I mean, it is worth it's sure. for yes. the most part. I mean, it it goes over the course of things and like the abuse and like and it shows the kids like going and like the, it'll show them like burning her with cigarettes and stuff. And Elliot Page did a phenomenal job. Like, just hi. Um, you getting tired? Mm-hmm. Me too. But um, yeah, so. That is the, I don't even, in-depth in depth details about what Heartbreaking case of Sylvia, Sylvia Likens. Likens. And there's several documentaries. There's several oh, things you can read. Uh, not right now. I bet you did. But, um, so yeah, um, that was, that, that's just, that wraps that awful, awful case up for you guys. So cheers to 50 and 51 episodes. Um. And uh, uh, all social media is just look up Bloody Babbles Podcast or Twitter's Bloody Babbles. Email us at Gmail. Um, a lot of people have uh, been messaging me that aren't little scammer bots on Instagram have been requesting stories um, or requesting cases for us to cover. So those will be coming here in the next couple of weeks. Thank you for sending those so, in. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited. There's one that I've, I know that um, I've heard uh, I know Morbid covered them, but she wanted to hear our take on it, so I'm kind of excited oh, for that. Fun. So, okay. yeah, so we're gonna check into that one, and so I've got so some reviews. We've gotten a couple. Reviews yeah, we've got some actually. So appreciative. Yeah, one of them was actually um, constructive. Constructive, which yeah. we're not opposed to that as long we as you're not it. like ugly and hateful. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, okay, this is what sucks, and obviously, you know, in the beginning, I mean, we're 50 episodes deep now. I feel like we're getting better. I I don't even care what you say. Our sound is great. <laughs> My sister found the best freaking best freaking microphones. So they hear everything. You probably hear my dog itching her fur right now. And no, panting heavily. That's just me. Um, 
<laughs> so pregnant. But, um, okay, guys, until Tuesday, um, you guys only have to wait a few days between episodes. Exciting Hello. when we can do two in a week, and eventually one day we'll get there. So, um, we love you guys so, so much, and we just hope we just Wait, keep... you didn't say thank you to the Fighters. Or oh, the Fantasy and World Music by the Fighters. Always. That's our intro sound. Mm-hmm. Our creepy doll music um, is what I'm using for this one, because I use that one for our Friday episodes, and it's super creepy. And don't forget to just, you know, keep listening. Yeah. Tell other people about us. We love you so much. We appreciate all of you. Yeah. More than you know, thank you for letting us close. live oh. and do our dream. <laughs> yeah, we, it's I mean, it's a weird dream, but I mean, that's why we're all here because we're weirdos. And hey, Arlo, oh, yep. Can you say Babylon? Can you, can you tell him say Babylon? Well, I'm not trying to do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm not trying well, to do it. Well, until next time. All right, till next time, guys. Babylon. Babylon. <laughs>Hey, this is Mark Jolliffe, a.k.a. DJ Soundwave, host of the Infinite Banter podcast. want to welcome everybody listening to come check out my show, Infinite Banter. The topics are infinite, and I'll banter about anything from hip-hop music to TV to movies, wrestling, comic books. You name it, I've talked about it on this show. I've had guests like Hurok Ski from the Fat Boys and underground hip-hop acts like Dirt Platoon on the show. I've also had actor Joshua Michael from The Walking Dead, Tommy McLaughlin, director of Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, as well as independent wrestlers like Shaza McKenzie and Roxy, and legendary wrestlers like B. Brian Blair have all been on the show. So come check out Infinite Banter, where I'll talk about anything from TV to comic books to wrestling to hip-hop music. Listen to the show on all digital platforms, specifically Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Everywhere you hear podcasts, you'll hear the show Infinite Banter. So come check me out, the Infinite Banter Podcast.